although, I mean, we could give the people a good precursor because we're not going to probably get into expansion stuff or whatever during the pod. Um, but yeah, what is think that? Is, 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 are people talking about that? Uh, Larry yeah, Williams is like talking about sources. it. Sources, yeah, some sources are saying Clemson is making an announcement in October, and UVA, Florida State, Clemson, and UNC are gone. I had a friend of mine, Kyle, who texted me earlier today. Not, not, not our Kyle, a different Kyle, mm-hmm. and yeah. who texted me earlier today, and he was like, and I was like, look, I, I don't believe any of this until like real, like real people, you know, announce it, or whatever. And so then he sends me the Larry Williams, and I'm like, okay, well, Larry's legit. Like, all right, well, now I'm paying attention. I mean, Larry definitely knows his. So yeah, Larry knows his stuff. Yeah. Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin States in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, September the 27th. Cavaliers are 0-4, coming off of a very disappointing 24-21 loss to NC State, uh, did force a turnover, so Ferber's prediction from the 3-2-1 last week came true. Um, but yeah, we're some, you know, a mixed bag to, for sure. They outgained state 384 to 319. Calandria goes for 271 and a pair of touchdowns as well as a pair of interceptions. Um, penalties at the end last 36 seconds certainly had a lot to do with the outcome of that game. We will no doubt be discussing that and so much more for your listening pleasure on this year program. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, in Fishersville, board moderator du jour himself, David Spence is on the show. How's it going, my friend? Going pretty well. Um, pretty epic weekend for me. Thanks for everyone who made it possible. I win three, but still had a blast. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. That is like the most humblest of humble brags I've ever heard. Dave got to go to like 100 football games, got all kinds of special access and treatment and such and he's just like oh thanks everybody like very very you man i really appreciate that yeah. about you yeah. ferber i don't know if, Fer- if ferber would have been as gracious i would have been just like talking about it constantly if i was if i was you which is probably why i didn't get to go all right speaking of justin ferber the aforementioned editor-in-chief of cascorner.com is also in the podcast on this podcast from uh his home in charlottesville how are you my dude yeah, I just wanted to say you're welcome to Dave for all my right. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome, Dave. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. You're welcome. Whatever part we yeah, played, yeah. you did. You did come through strong, so, so we could tailgate Friday night. Appreciate. I, it. I, yeah, I was there in the first quarter of the weekend. So, um, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter, Cavs corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates. Um, <laughs> what, as good as they may be, the content items and the occasional witty banter. All right, twenty-four twenty-one, uh, lost to NC State. Brennan Armstrong goes 15 to 30 in for a buck 80 and two touchdowns as well as that one pick in his return to Scott Stadium. He ran for 64 yards on 15 carries. Um, what's weird is that like I expected State to be much better than State was, and I didn't necessarily, um, I, I didn't necessarily have high hopes. Not necessarily that UVA wasn't going to win. It wasn't like that. It was much more just about like 
if I, if you told me Brennan was going to basically go for for that many combined yards, I would have assumed UVA lost this thing by like ten. Um, so the fact that they were in the game and and basically you know pushing the thing to overtime until the last thirty six seconds, um, I, I think in some ways is a positive. Overall, let's start, Dave. Let's start with you. Um, coming out of that game, now that you've had a couple days to sort of let it all process, let, let your incredible weekend of football process, even though, like you said, your your your, your squads went zero and three. Um, as you look back on that game Friday night, do you take away more negatives? Do you see some positives? Where are you at on the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it changed my view a whole lot. I mean, the game did not go at all like I thought it would. Um, even though the game is close and to me, it never felt like Virginia was going to win it, um, until maybe when they, when they, com- uh, had the miracle two point conversion at the end, I was like, Oh, maybe they'll steal it. And then, you know, what we saw what happened after that, the, uh, but you know, I thought the team, the defense played well. Um, you know, they, they created a little havoc. They forced some turnover, you know, forced turnovers and I just played better than they had the last few weeks. And the offense it moved the ball well, but all of it just didn't add up to a lot of points on the board. And, you know, NC State, you know, kind of unspectacular, but solid during the game. And that's really all they needed to be. Um, so, I mean, I, I mean, maybe I feel a little better about the team coming out of it, but that that's a game where, you know, a, a better team would have taken advantage of NC State not being up to par and, and gotten the win. But, Virginia's just not there yet. Um, you know, if you're optimist or pessimist, every week you can find something, and this week was no different. Yeah, what's interesting, when I was looking at some of the numbers, so NC State on third down, um, they got into third and short pretty pretty nicely. They were four of seven. Um, but then on third and long, they were one of four, which, I, you know, honestly, like, I feel like third down has been such a problem for the defense and for them to – to play like today's point I, I i saw some some steps in the right direction i'm still a little bit sus on the whole thing right like i i don't think like i just don't think that they're anywhere near not only where i expected them to be but where i think they should be and i'm curious to see if playing some of the young guys is is a way for for them to sort of take some steps in the right direction um obviously cam robinson had a team high 11 tackles eight solos hit one qb hurry and a half of a tfl um, I thought in a lot of ways, Ferber, the defensive piece of this, we can, we're going to talk a lot, I think later about quarterbacks and fun stuff like that, but the defensive piece of this, um, with apologies to special teams, which continue to continue to try men's souls. Um, the defense continues to be the thing that I feel like if they don't turn that around, if they don't figure out a way to, you know, to, to sort of replicate some of what they did in this game. Uh, it's going to be a really rough road for them, and I think that's a big reason why. Maybe the Tennessee game is is an outlier, but the other two games, I mean, that's a big reason why they went the way they went is because the defense just like was not up to the task. As you look back on Friday night, what are some of your key takeaways and what are the things that are lingering for you? Yeah, this is kind of a hard game to process. I think I agree with kind of what Dave was saying. Like It didn't really go as I expected it to. I kind of thought NC State would handle it. Um and I think Dave's point is a good one about like, you know, even UVA didn't win and, and maybe like a better team would have won even. Yeah, you can give them credit for being close, but like, you know, maybe a team that's a little bit more further along in their development would have won this game. Um, 
Yeah, I think the defense played better than they have. I think that's it's interesting to me um, that two years in a row, like against a nice offense, Rudd has come up with a pretty good game plan. I think. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Like you know, it, I think it was the same kind of recipe where, almost kind of like, like again, like kind of keep everything in front of you, kind of sit on the short stuff. Um, stop the run, and I thought they did a pretty good job against the run. And, and Brennan got loose a few times, but I mean, certainly not enough to where like I was like, you know, I wouldn't say like that cost them the game or anything. Even though he had a nice little run at the end that kind of put them in field goal range. Um, yeah, I think they were better. I'm a little like cautious on like maybe they're turning it around just because like again last year we saw them kind of do this against Syracuse, so uh, we'll see you know what they look like against Boston College and beyond, but. Um, other than that, I mean, I, I thought, you know, on offense, they weren't consistent enough. Um, you know, they, they had a few nice drives. Uh, it, it feels to me like they should have had more points than they did. Uh, just, you know, they left, obviously they've left some points on the table in the red zone, um, you know, kicking those field goals. And then they went forward on the 50 early and didn't get it. And other drives, they kind of moved the ball, but didn't quite get enough to, to get points and, um, you know, there, there's certainly some things that they need to work on. Um, and you know, the fourth quarter interceptions were costly. Um, you know, I think if, if I have a takeaway, really, it's, it's probably more about the penalties at the end than anything. Like that's probably what stuck with me the most just because they were so calamitous, you know, like, <laughs> you know, the way that they happened and like the fact that they were all in the last minute of the game and, um, you know, like walking out of the stadium, we kind of talked about it. And then also just like the, over the last few days, like, what do you do with that? You know, like, is that something where it's part of a larger issue, like with culture, or is that just coincidental that it was like three things in a row from three different guys? Um, is it like guys not knowing the rules? Is it guys like just not caring about the rules or like thinking they're going to get away with it? Or was it just bad luck in a way, at least on one or two of them? Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought I agree with what Dave said. It never really felt like UVA was going to win it, even though they were in it. Um, except for maybe there was a point in the second half early where it was 14 to seven and then UVA got the back-to-back field goals. And at that point, UVA was outplaying them. And I really feel like UVA outplayed NC state on the day. Um, they outgained them. Um, you know, they forced a bunch of three and outs and punts. Uh, the turnover margin was close. What was it? Two to one. Yeah. Um, they finally got an interception. Uh, it's been, you know, a year pretty much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought UVA was the better team in the game for the most part, except for the things that matter the most, to be honest with you, which is just scoring in the red zone, turnovers, closing out the game and, you know, a couple of little things. And it's like the little things are kind of biting them, but, um, yeah. I do think there are some some signs that like if you look at this game and you're like they're terrible and everybody should be fired like that's fine. I also do think that there were some some signs that like maybe maybe they're improving, you know, like uh, they're getting there. Um it's just, you know, the schedule's been pretty unforgiving. I don't think NC State's that great, but um you know, it, it hasn't exactly there haven't been any opportunities yet to to really like put it all together against a team that might not be able to like stick it out with you for 60 minutes. Yeah. I think the red zone piece is, is important because I mean, one of the things that I don't know which one of you guys said this on a podcast, or maybe you've said it to set it somewhere like in our text thread or whatever. 
But just the idea that like last year, what the defense did was essentially bend and then not necessarily not break, but not break all the time. And it feels like by and large this season, the defense has just not been able to produce that, right? They just haven't been able to, to keep teams to field goals instead of uh, touchdowns when they got to the red zone. And I, I struggle. Last year with, they were seventh nationally in red zone touchdown percentage there you go. allowed. So um, thank you. This year that. it's like 120 something. Yeah, it's bad. You know? Um, I feel like as much as attention as we put last year on how bad the offense was, and it was bad, right? Um, what what I what I'm thinking about in hindsight and and watching this team is like, they there are. How do I sort of frame this? There are a lot of situations, I think, for teams when you're trying to do something new or different or what have you, and um, maybe it's not working, maybe it's not what you expected it to be. And the juxtaposition between UVA's offense last year with a bunch of experienced pieces trying to do what, um, trying to do something different, something new, right, versus what the defense was doing with, you know, maybe not necessarily quite the same level of pieces, but still a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, a lot more depth, I guess, than, um, than they've had in years past, even though some of those pieces were new and the, and the contrast between the way the defense responded and when the offense did. Now this year, you've got the defense doing the same thing, right? Doing, you know, much the same thing, right? I don't think Rudd and company have changed, but so much, right? The big difference is, is that they don't have the two corners. They don't have Nick Jackson in the middle and everything just doesn't look the same. Like it doesn't look remotely close. So what's weird to me is that like, whereas the offense is now sort of clicked back into position in a way, like I feel like what we're getting from the offense is what I thought we'd get last year, right? Which is they're a threat to go down the field. Um, they produce explosive plays they're um they have a decent sense of who they want to be even though to Ferber's point um in in the um 321 or I can't remember if it was the 321 or the take 2 but the idea of like they they probably need to stop running the ball as much as they do don't worry about that, Brad. I get those two mixed up all the time. <laughs> yeah, she, guys, if you knew how much he sends one and has the name for the other, I digress. But like defensively, right? Like defensively, I, I'm I'm really concerned because what I'm seeing week to week to week, and I understand that they made some improvements and whatever, but I genuinely think that might be a matchup thing with Dr. Bob. I'm really curious to see what the next few weeks are going to be like. I mean, that William and Mary team, I understand they got uh, an injury at running back now, but – like Dave, that William and Mary team could legitimately score 45, 50 points on you. Um, not necessarily because you're like trash, but just because like that's just kind of what they might be capable of. In the in the big scheme of things, what what's the thing that's causing you aside from special teams, which we're just going to take out of this conversation? What is the thing that's causing you the most angst right now? Um, is it overall coaching? Is it the offense and quarterback situation? Is it Finding playmakers other than Malik Washington is it the defense? Is it you know what, what's what's the thing causing the most um, angst right now? I mean, overall the offensive line still, but um, you know at this moment in the season it's the defense, and it's not just what we've seen the first you know four games. It's the injuries just keep stacking up, man. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's I was tra- point. trying to make a list. Like, you know, you got Sue out. You had Chico out for a while. Akira seems to be out. Smiley's a game-time decision with a concussion. Cam Butler might be done for the year. Could be done in a couple of weeks. Ahern's Next been long. injured. 
Clary's out, Long's out, Sinker was banged up beginning of the year, Westfall was banged up beginning of the year, um, James Jackson was banged up the beginning of the year. So you just you haven't had you know, this defense was lost a lot, you know, the three you just mentioned, you know, Nick and AJ and um Pentrell. But now you add one, two, three, and I'm named like twelve guys right there. Yeah, that all you dudes. Yeah. Every one of them you expected to be a contributor. This wasn't you know, Westfall might be the only one we didn't know what he was, but everyone else has missed time. Um, yeah. And a few of those are still going to be out moving forward. And I thought the interesting thing, and I didn't notice it as much real time because, you know, like we, we discuss this all the time, too much too much emotion and um, everything else when you're watching the game real time. But on the rewatch, like, I think the defense was much better because the linebacker play was really good. Um, played a lot more zone on the back end, which helps too, but, you know, James Jackson had a really good game. Cam Robinson had a good game. Um, like that stuff. Helps. I had no idea until I saw the stats the next morning that Cam Robinson led the team. Me neither. It was I a quiet. It, it was a quiet like, what eleven, the heck? wasn't it? Yeah, it was a quiet eleven. Yeah, but I mean, I think so. Obviously, they're playing more young guys, which is there. Were, there was another thing going on in the game which I didn't realize watching it from the stands. It's there's a lot of emotion on that field. Um, I kind of alluded to it a couple of weeks ago, but everyone was like, everyone's very excited to be getting at Brendan. Um, like when James Jackson sacked him, he almost yeah. took his helmet off. Yeah, he did. Um, he did. So, yeah, obviously seeing that in the rewatch is like, wow, man, they, these guys were just fired yeah, up. Yeah, they were fired up. But, yeah. But yeah, I mean, this defense, there's a lot of good offenses coming too, right? And, you know, Virginia doesn't have a buy for two more games. Um, Boston College presents a challenge. It's another, you know, on the road for that one, obviously. And then William Mary could be. You're you're right. What they do offensively, um, when you're leaning on a bunch of young guys, you you worried that they look at that name and think, oh, we don't need to lock in this week. You know, this is a game we should win. Um, so yeah, overall, yeah, I think the D, the offense is making strides. I don't think this team's going to run the ball this year. You know, they'll, yeah, you know, that that seems to be a, a lost cause. You know, they might have runs here and there, but they're not going to be able to consistently run the ball. But they're moving – their passing game's gotten better to the point where if they can just stop the turnovers, they should score points. But it's hard to believe the defense is going to get substantially better given the injuries. Um, and I think we've got, what, four ranked opponents left or three, uh, Duke, Miami, and Carolina. So some good teams coming yeah. down the pipe. and like Louisville's probably knocking on the door if they're not ranked. Yeah, Louisville's good. I mean – Virginia won't be favored in any game other than William Mary. So, yeah. Well, what we'll see what happens in the last game of the season. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that that's part of the calculus, right? Which is like, you know, they go to Boston College and come home without a um, without a win. I, it's 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 going to be. A, I mean, I, it's weird to say on September twenty seventh that this is like make or break. But if you, I mean, look, let me frame it like this. If you see any power rankings for the ACC, there's always Boston, there's Virginia and Boston College at the end, right? And typically it's Virginia and Boston College in that order, right? If you can't get a win against literally the worst team otherwise, like you're you're in a world for hurt, man. You're in a in a really tough spot. Um and it's not so much that I don't think UVA could like sneak up on one of these other good teams. They obviously can. But how are you supposed to have any expectation that's going to happen? And what about 
everything around everything, right? The morale, the um, the buy-in, the camaraderie, all of it. Like, I mean, it just it really feels like to me that this weekend is a huge opportunity. Not necessarily not, and I don't I don't mean that to make gains. I mean that just just even put themselves in a position to make gains because with I feel like without this win, this thing could go real real bad real fast. And even worse than I mean, we all think zero and four is bad. You know, we're making nineteen eighty two jokes and stuff. Like, man, it could get worse. It could get a lot worse. Um, to 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 Dave's point about the running game, real quick. I, I did think this was interesting. So they had negative three rushing yards in the third quarter, but they had they had a nice balance between the run, the pass, and the fourth. They were fifty three on the ground, fifty through the air. Um, and what I've the reason I bring that up is is that I do think they can get a little bit more from the quarterback position on the ground than maybe either they would have intended or they would have expected. Um, and I'm not saying go out there and run the Bryce Perkins um, sets. I'm just saying that, like, you know, they've got to figure out ways to get it um, when they can. Speaking of quarterback, let's 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 segue a little bit into some preview in a Boston College and talk about the, the Calandria versus Musket of it all. Um, so it certainly seems like, at this point, unless – Tony is just not healthy uh, unless he's unable to go. He's going to be the starter on Saturday. One word answer. Yes. Uh, yes or no. Do you think it's the right decision, Dave? Um, um, <laughs> um that's um, a great answer. That's a great, that's a great title for the episode. Um, yeah, I mean, I've honestly, I've been thinking about this for three days and anticipating the podcast and I still haven't come up with my solution. I'm good. I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes, but uh, yeah, I'll put a low confidence level on that one. My man just put a low confidence level on his own opinion. That's when you know he's he's cerebral. Um, Ferber, what about you? Yes or no? Right decision? I'm going to need more words than one to explain. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. I've had the same, well, I've had the same issue. I've had the same issue as Dave, but I'm going to say no. Wow, so I get to not, break the tie? It's not the right decision. I, I think it is in the sense that, like, okay, as a coach. No, I yes feel, or no, Brad. Just yes I, or no. No, I know. I'd segued into us discussing it. See, this is what okay. happens when you're yeah. when you're when you're the traffic cop. Um, my answer is is yes, and here's why. I think Calandria is the best thing to happen in this program, and yet at the same time, I do think it's unfair to Musket to essentially take the job from him when he's hurt. I think that you go into it planning to start him and you see what happens. And I feel like you have the conversations with him. You have the conversations with Anthony. I think that both of those kids, I think you, you got to have a, you, you need to be in a position as a coach um, where you can, you can back up what you say to your players. Right. And all along, even before Calandria blew up, he said, you don't lose your job because of injury. Right. And if he turns around on that now, it's a terrible look down the road. And listen, if Musket goes out there and plays poorly, you get your Anthony Calandra anyway, right? I do think this, the calculus changed between game three, right, when we were talking about this and like, okay, well, what do they do? Or excuse me, I guess it was I guess it was going to Maryland we were having this conversation, right? Which is like, all right, he's come out against Jamie, whatever. Can you go back to to musket when Calandria has been playing so well. And we worried that like, well, if you, if you, if you put Calandria out there and he doesn't play as well, and then you got to go to musket. Well, now you're, you're, you're sort of forced to, cause you know, whatever they were given like 
for lack of a better description, the gift, right? That he wasn't able to go. Well, now if he's able to go, it changes everything for that. And I feel like he at least got to let the kid go play. Worst case scenario is you go back to Calandria and, and that's what you are. Best case scenario is you figure out Musket's also pretty good and he's his experience and his and 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 whatnot is actually a good thing for the team in the way that like even though Calandria has been able to play a lot of make a lot of plays down the field, he's also made some, you know, young kid you know, rookie mistakes, right? So what you're hoping is is that Musket, if he plays, is able to go out there and cut down on those. All right, which one you which one you wants to get into your long soliloquy about why you answered yes or no? Ferber, do you want to start us off? Yeah, that's fine. I 100% agree with everything you just said, to be honest with you. And and I I don't, when I say no, I'm thinking more about like the long-term ramifications than the short-term. Um, because I do, I agree with what you said about Tony. I think, you know, he was a starter to start the season for a reason. I didn't see anything in the Tennessee game to make me think he's bad. And that's not why I said no. And honestly, I think there's a case to be made that like, you know, your point about the locker room and then also future transfers. It's like we're not going to just scrap you, you know, after a exactly game yeah, where you sure. get hurt. So I think there's like a valid thing there. I, my only concern is that um, and also one other point, too, is that like Calandria is not winning. You know, it's not if they're that's three fair. and one, then yeah, I would think point. differently. But the devil's advocate case is that um you're sort of now like inviting and I'm thinking about this from Tony Elliott's perspective, not mine. So I'm thinking like what's best for him. <laughs> um, and I think that this could get him into a little bit of like a tricky situation just because um, and you could say the same, I guess, about not playing musket, too. But, you know, if if musket comes in and they lose to Boston College, then what? Do you go back to Calandria? Like, um, like, what's the threshold? And I think that's where I'm thinking about it from like a managing the fan base perspective. And I know that he doesn't care about that. He said so himself yesterday. Um, and he probably shouldn't. But I do worry that like, you know, you could invite some issues into the calculus here that aren't right. there now with like, you know, now later, like two weeks from now, like our guy's going to be like, you know, like we talked about earlier in the season, almost in like a Calandria camp versus a musket camp. And then, <laughs> and it's like, and it's like, how long does Tony get, like how long is uh musket's leash? If like right. they go to BC and lose kind of similar to how they lost last week, you know, like 17, 24, 17 or something. Right. Do you give him the Wayman Mary game? Right. I honestly think the best thing that could happen really would be like, you give Calandria this game and then you give musket the next one. If he's ready to go. Um, and then it's like if Musket comes in and beats William and Mary, then you have the bye week to kind of transition back to him. Um, but you know, we'll see. I, I don't think there. I think this is an impossible situation, to be honest. See, with you. I think about it, and Dave, I'm curious to get your point of view here. I think about it in the inverse, Ferber, which is like I actually think that by doing it this way and doing it now, he's actually setting himself up for potential um, success. And here's why. All right, let's assume Tony goes in and he plays, but he doesn't play well. All right. You gave him his shot. You did what you could. You're now going to turn the keys over to Calandra. Cool. Cool. All right. If he plays and he plays mediocre, you get you get two games to look at him and then you get a bye week to decide which way are we going to go. Right. I, I think the worst thing that That's he could fair. do. I think the worst thing that he could do, Dave, is that and, and I don't necessarily agree. I think he probably should think about what the fan base wants or thinks because um, ultimately, like, you know, 
that's like the lifeblood. That that's why I said no. Is because I just feel like six weeks from now we're gonna look back and be like, all right, now we got an issue where it's like the trick. I think is is if he plays the wrong guy for the wrong reasons, and I don't think dude doesn't lose his job because of injury yeah. is the wrong reason. I think we've seen so much quarterback cluster, you know, whatery that like it's hard for us. It's like we've got quarterback carousel PTSD, right? Because we've seen a lot of it. Right. And that's what I think all, you know, cruddy teams, you know, over the years, like that's one of the staples, right? Is when you have, you know, you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any, right? I think that if he plays the right quarterback, or at least he plays a quarterback for the right reasons, and he knows when to make the change, and the change is emphatic and it makes sense, then the, the rest of this stuff takes care of itself. Tony comes out there, plays well, and they lose. Well, if they lost and it wasn't his fault, you just, you keep going with him. If he goes out there and he goes, 18 to 31 for 275, two touchdowns and a pick. That's not, you're going to, he's your quarterback, right? Um, because you would not have made the change and gone to your backup if your if your kid going out there going 18 to 31 for 275, a couple touchdowns and a, and a pick. Do you see what I mean? Like, does the team move the ball? Are they scoring points? Like, those are all things that would have been a normal consideration regardless of whether or not he was hurt or wasn't hurt, right? If you got if he does the right if he makes the right decision on that, then I don't think he gets himself into a sticky wicket. Dave, what are you, what are your thoughts on this? You said you said yes before, but you seemed like it was a very loaded yes. Yeah, I mean, because I don't think we can know the answer. Um, not to cop out, but yeah, it it just depends on what Musket does and how UVA handles you know how the coaching staff handles it if he doesn't do well. Um, and it also matters what. The, you know how the locker room feels because right. you know if there's one positive we've been talking about with this offense is that they look bought in you know the receivers they the do. offensive line and you know if, if they're making a change that's not popular in the locker room um I, I don't know that you can afford to do that but i also don't know you're gonna win a lot more games either way so yeah you, you need to um I mean, it's his job as the head coach making that money to kind of know where the locker room is. Um, look, I get it. I mean, I think if you want to argue it's the correct choice, the the reason it's the correct choice is the injury point. Um, obviously, it's it looks bad to pull someone who's performing well, but you know he's only playing because Musket's hurt. You know, he didn't he had all camp to win the job. He's been here since January. Musket won out, so I think it's fair to see what Musket does, and I think it's probably better for for the team that is on the road. So that you don't get that, you know, get that angst from the crowd That's if there's a, a three call. and out on the first draw. Um, Honestly, NC State might have been the worst possible time. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, man, and, the ghosts of oh yeah, boy. Woo. And look, and I mean, I think it's better for this team. You know, if Musket comes out and stinks it up, I don't know. I don't know how many drives you give him because once you pull Musket for Calandria, now you're all in on yeah, Calandria. You, you got to Yeah, um, it's a, it's a, yeah, you got to ride with it then. And, and look, he he's played great, but the team's only scored what 20, 35 points the last two games, um, and he's got four fourth quarter interceptions. Uh, you know, ultimately, I thought it was Al Gro, you know, he has Al five. Gro and Bill Parcells, you have five, or even worse. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you judge quarterbacks by their pelts, right? And he's got none so far. So, like, he's had a spectacular. He, he you see the tools, um, and who knows? Like I said, none of us know the answer to this. Um, so, I mean, if you're on Team Musket or Team Calandria, if those are such things, you know, one one of the two, like, hopefully we'll have a victory, victory lap to take for positive reasons. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a situation I wouldn't have to 
wouldn't want, don't envy having to make. Um, but I do think he made the right one. Uh, you know, Calandria showed you everything. Um, but please, God, the the only decision, you know, I think one of you mentioned it, the, the only decision we can't see is uh, is a rotation. Um, yeah, and I <laughs> just based on his facial reaction to the question in the presser yesterday, I don't think you're going to see that. He almost was like, God, no. <laughs> like, I don't want to do that. Let and they're hear. similar players, so, like, what's the yeah. point of doing that? Right. Yeah, yeah, I know. On the re- Like, look, it... it it would behoove Virginia for both of them to be really good because they're both like they're neither one of these guys are really big, right? You know, Musket's a little bigger than Calandria, but they both kind of run with a reckless abandon when they get out of the pocket. Like Calandria took a couple hits in that NC State game. Um, the There's been the a few times where I'm field. like, oh, he got up from that. Like, good. Yeah. <laughs> like he took right. a shoulder drop. You know, he got driven into the ground on his shoulder down to like the 12, 15, 13 yard line. Um, which obviously in the stadium we couldn't see as well with the our vantage point, but on the rewatch I'm like, man, like that looks very similar to what happened to Musket. Um, so, yeah, you know, if if someone thinks their answer is right, you you might be proven right, but no no one knows. That's what. Well, it let me down let to. me toss I think this out. The there, Aland- the Calandria people, like I feel like they're gonna be like, see, I told you, but they don't yeah. know, you know. Well, I, well, one, let's stop calling them Team Calandria and Team Musket because then we will. We'll yeah, I didn't like saying that. Well, I think I, I think the people, that. I think the people that are like, there's no no reason at all to switch quarterbacks are wrong. Like, yeah, I that's, think that's yeah, that, that's probably true. the only group in this. Let me toss this out there. One thing I I'm actually, for for lack of a description, like just excited to see. Is like we've seen Calandria, all right, and you know I I'm, I don't have the Tennessee stats up in front of me right now, but I'm gonna guess that when he came into the game, it was not great, right, stat wise. I think he was like what two of like ten, two of nine against Tennessee, like I think fifteen he was like two yards, of seven. Okay, but he didn't. Even the completions were just like pop right. passes. All right. So so then he had a great game against JMU. He had a you know some great moments early against um, Maryland until it kind of spiraled for him. And then he had some good moments against state. I understand that everybody's really excited about AC 10. I'm excited about AC 10. I think he's a, you know, he's got a lot of tools and we, we see talent until we watch musket healthy running the offense against, you know, non Tennessee teams. Like, can we really say that what we've seen is because of Calandria and not because of whatever they're doing? Because real talk, them getting that kid ready to start as early as he did and play as well as he has, despite some of the mistakes he's made, has me feeling pretty good about sort of whatever plan they have for quarterbacks and the way that those kids fit the offense and the way they're calling the offense for it. If Musket goes in there, there's a not zero chance that he's going to put up something similar to what Calandria did. And then if that's the case and you say, oh, Calandria is a really good prospect down the road, but Musket's a good guy for us right now, and these are the reasons or whatever. Until we see him go out there and not do it, this sounds weird, but walk with me. Until you see him go out there and not be able to do it, we can't know for sure that what we've seen from Calandria, we could not have seen from Musket, right? And it's not necessarily, and again, it goes back to they are similar players. It's just not like a, you know, you you got diametrically opposed forces, Um Right, like they're two very similar players. They play the game similarly. One of them has just happens to have played a lot more football than the other one, right? And if that is the thing that helps Virginia, you know, in some of these spots, then you know, maybe that's important, right? So I'm I'm just looking forward. If if Musket is the guy, if he's healthy and he goes, I'm just curious if if he performs at roughly the same level Calandra has been, 
And if maybe that says more about the program necessarily than just a lightning bolt that has been AC-10. Again, I, I think the kid is a bright future. I'm really glad that you know he seems to be very happy at UVA, and I hope he stays forever and all that fun stuff. Like, you know, hope mom and dad are happy. Um, but real talk, like until we see what Musket can do, we can't know for sure that what we've seen so far isn't at least in large part because the staff got the kid ready and is doing a good job with it. But, yeah, and I don't think, you know, the decision to start Muskie is going to, you know, assuming that's what happens, because with the caveat, we've seen, we felt like Muskie was going to start every game for the last two. Um, but, you know, Tony seemed to indicate it a little stronger this time. But we don't know that start, you know, him getting the start is going to influence Calandria's decision to stay or leave um, any more than we do him playing all year you know, influencing the decision he stays or leaves. Yeah. And it's not like they built their whole plan around Calandria and now they're like going to the bench quickly. It's like he was thrown into action because the guy got hurt. You know, it's not like he could be like mad about this. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he can't be like, you know, the reasons you're going to lose a player like Calandria um, or any player, let me not say him, aren't going to be because of, you know, I got to play what 11 games instead of the three and a half I, I got to play or so. It, it's going to be some other team offering him something Virginia doesn't have, and Virginia's not going to have that regardless of whether he plays or not. Um, but again, One, I think it also goes back to the, you know, does does Tony and ultimately Taylor and and Des know the locker room? And as long as the locker room's happy, you kind of step out and l- let them do what they want. Because yeah. I'm sure there's some guys in the locker room who understand how hard musket work to earn the job. Um and they're looking at themselves being like, man, if I get hurt and someone comes in and I not get to play again. Um, so yeah, it, it's a tough decision, man. That's why, that's why Tony makes what 4.6 this year. <laughs> well, I was going to say, what are you looking up the contract, Dave? Seriously, How would you know? Yeah, I, don't, I haven't looked at that in a long time. The, <laughs> <laughs> no one parts more, of it. <laughs> one more thing on the quarterbacks before we, before we move on to BC. Um, I, I don't think it's that hard a decision. And then maybe I'm weird, um, but I just don't think it's that hard. Um, maybe I'm maybe I'm more impacted by the whole, you know, them saying publicly a guy doesn't lose his job because of injury. But I think once you said that, it just didn't, you know, that, that, that piece right there that's like, oh, I just, you know, and I think a lot of coaches are like that, but I, I don't think it's I that think, hard of a decision, personally. I think, I think his logic on it yesterday was very sound. He was like, we only got to see him play like 40 snaps. Like, it's right. not like we got a big sample size of him being bad. Um, you know, so like, let's see what he can do. In and he was kind of tar- starting to cook a little bit when he was hurt. Like, yeah, they were kind of in a place where they were like, okay, they were figuring some things out. And yeah, Tennessee, had made, you know, put some backups in the game and whatnot. But now you know. I think if, if AC had come in after the Tennessee game and they're three and one right now, I would be like, don't it's change. A very different. Yeah, it probably is a very different. Especially game. if you're winning some close games and like he's a big part of it, I'd be like, right. I don't know that you want to upset this to go to a, back to a dude who got blown out in his yeah. one start. Yeah, if they're but like eighty five percent third down and they're you know they're you know he he's. Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing, if it was, yeah, like, exactly. if it was I'm guessing this, the language changes a couple of weeks ago, if, if that's the situation. You're I mean, at that point, you have an out where you you can say like, well, we just can't take this guy out. Like you know, he just we can't. You know, um, and I, not I think to play. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, I think the logic behind this is is pretty good, and and also like there the best case scenario is, and and they, you know, again, they have more information than we do, and if Muskie's been better in practice, they probably have confidence that he's gonna go out and be just as good, if not better, than what we've seen from Calandria, you know, 
in the games. So if that happens, then it's like, okay. And then that almost like does the converse of like my devil's advocate point, which you could even maybe make some excuses and be like, well, if they had had him, maybe they would have beat JMU or maybe they, you know, because he's like the same (laughs) as Calandra without a pick, you know, or whatever. So yeah. And I hear I was, I was going to say, and like, not to be, you know, I realize I've been making this case for, for Muscat the whole time, but then I was going to flip it and say, well, not to be devil's advocate, but at the same time, like we're talking a lot about the locker room and stuff. Listen, I don't think I've seen in a long time a quarterback that seemed to get along as well with like literally everybody on the team the way this kid does. Like, I I don't That's I don't truth. know I I don't know if I just I, don't, I can't even think of a guy who I mean like unless you're talking Rice. about like. For, well, that's yeah. Unless you're talking about like dudes who had been there for definitely years. not a freshman, definitely not <laughs> yeah. a first year guy, right? Yeah. Like it's wild to see that kid around the other kids. They they he clearly he, he not just he, like it's not just that like oh they they sense you know he's a leader and all that fun stuff that people talk a lot about with quarterbacks. Like there's a personality piece of this. Like he gets along with these dudes, and you can tell. Like I know I mentioned this on the pod before about the you know he has specific handshakes with all the wide receivers or whatever, but like he's clearly put in time to get to know these kids and apparently organically, like like not because he thought he was going to be the quarterback, you know, in week two, right? So I mean, there's a piece of it too, like with the locker room is like yeah, the locker room might have been on Tony's side several weeks back, but you know now they've been through it with with AC. So I mean, it might be one of those deals where, you know, you're you're sort of upsetting the apple cart a little bit having said that i think the 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 point about if they were three and one is well taken like if they were three and one we'd all be saying we all we would all be be like losing a job to injury is asinine like what is this like the you know like (laughs) no you know what i would be saying whoever was from the yankees what i would be saying is is like it's it really sucks that he lost his job to injury but have you seen this kid like he's cooking and the team is winning and there's no reason to upset that right now and that's i you know we our heart is you know breaks for the kid and not getting a chance to play but, you know, the the Calandra kid's really killing it, right? He has really had a lot of good moments. I, I think Ferber's right. Like, the people who – the only people I think are wrong are the folks who are like, this is they don't open see and a, shut. They don't see any reason why Any reason. Switch. And I'm like, like yeah, yeah. It's a little far. I mean, ultimately, so 90% of the reason this is a discussion is because of the transfer portal. Like, if the transfer portal wasn't a thing, I think – if you're a Virginia fan, you're like, well, I know what we got with Calandria. Let's see what Muskins has. Let's yeah, see this if was the old rules. This. That's a really good point, Dave. If this was the old yeah. rules, nobody would care. They move back to Musket and dude would be here in, a, in two years. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. You know I mean? And, yeah. And those same people, a lot of times, are the ones that are like, fire everyone. And I get it. Like, I do. They're for 0 and 4. Those but, people are weird. But those, I mean, like, <laughs> he came to play for this staff. So, like, what makes you think he's going to stay if they fire everyone? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the same as playing time. Those um, people are weird, aren't they, Dave? That's what. Fire yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like, that's something. <laughs> if you want to talk about, like, you know, the transfer portal, that's a part of it. Um, yep. You know, when coaching changes happen, sometimes the guys 100 percent leave. Um, 100%. But the only thing I wanted to say about this too is that, like, Calandria has been like an inspiration, really. Like these three games, like, and I, I think we'll see him again. You know, at some point this season, just because that's the nature of football. Um, and also if there's, if they keep losing, I think at some point they, you do start to say, okay, like, let's start thinking ahead here. <laughs> you know, when you get into November, maybe you give Calandria some more time. Um, and if Calandria, you know, somehow beat Virginia tech or something like maybe you salvage something. Um, but also like, you know, we, we've, we've talked about bad quarterback play on this podcast a lot, um, too much a lot. one might say. And 
it's just remarkable to me that like it's one thing if your backup comes in and does this like that's remarkable in itself but the fact that he's a true freshman is like truly you know remarkable it really um, is it really was how many they... how many veteran quarterbacks have we seen that were supposed to be the starters yeah. look so unprepared <laughs> and like just not ready for the moment and not able to make plays yeah and he has no fear maybe he needs to be a little bit more scared um you know like in certain situations but ultimately like you know i would i would rather i'm having this is going to sound crazy but i'm having way more fun watching this version of uva's offense and quarterback than some of the teams that won more games oh, like not not sure. like the bryce perkins teams obviously yeah, yeah, but like not like bryce or brennan in 21 but like yeah, but sure. like last year's team was way worse than this for me like, mean, like just three and out three and team. out three and out three and out <laughs> i mean the defense was better but yeah i mean like I, you know, and then all the London teams basically like they won more games, but it wasn't because of the quarterback most of the time. Yeah, yeah true that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if we mentioned it, but I mean, I, I don't. There is the, uh, you know, there there is the extra bump on this decision. You know, the the four game red shirt uh, he's he's played for. So if you're going to play musket at some point, do it now in case musket's really good. Um, mm. then then you at least do Calandria the solid of keeping his red shirt. Um, yeah, I think we we all know that that's a an issue. I don't think that's why the decision's yeah. being made now. And that's but that's kind of a pipe dream too. It's there. I mean, it like, is. Yeah, I don't even Bronco even before the transfer rules was like, I don't care about that fifth year until we get there. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. I I don't think it's anything to do with this decision. I think the time just worked out this way. But you know, it, it's another it's another yeah. caveat that people have brought up. Um, and ultimately, like I said, if Tony Muscat comes out and the re- we realize the reason he beat out, beat out this, you know, Calandria kid was because he's he's that guy too, um, which obviously we didn't see early in Tennessee game, but you know he he made some throws, some really accurate throws. So he, if he can come out and be good, you know, and he keeps the job the rest of the year, at least Calandria has that extra year and and a lot of experience. Um, I don't anticipate that happening, but it is another factor of play. Yeah. Also, shout out like this is a segue kind of, but shout out to Malik Washington, man. He's good. Like, man, you I better mean, know his stats. He'll come after you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's he's a <laughs> uh, like I don't. He's just open. Like you know, Dude, he just, just gets open, bro. Yeah, yeah I ten mean, for like, a buck seventy just, against. Hold on, real quick. Ten for a buck seventy against um, uh, NC State. He uh, let's see. He had nine for one hundred and forty-one against Maryland, and then against. Uh, uh, JMU, he had um, five for a buck nineteen. Now, granted, one of them was sixty-three yards, but still, dude is just—I mean, he's number one in the league in uh, yards and receptions. I mean, he's just killing it, man. He's just absolutely just killing it. I can't remember if junior receiver just like him. I mean, he's kind of a, a, a like a blend between Alamedy and Billy Kemp. Um, you know, he's but he's physical, so physical. Yeah, he's more like Alamedy with a yak. Like and that's where he's really been a huge help. Yeah, I think he's like he takes a twenty yard play and turns it into fifty. Yeah, Um, I mean we saw some of that in his Northwestern tape, but yeah, yeah. I thought he would be more like a Billy Kemp, where it would just be possession. You know, he would make some plays, but it would be more like you know he would have sixty catches for yeah, you know six hundred. I mean, you know, you know what the biggest compliment we can give this dude is? Which one of us had we fought over Sedarian Harrison as being our guy at the beginning of the season, right? And Malik has been so good that, like, the poor kid can't even get on the field, right? Like, that says yeah. plenty about how good 
Malik has been. Um, he has. Well, your guy can't get on the field either. So okay, we don't need to revisit that. It's unfortunate. Let's just <laughs> too soon. <laughs> yes, too soon. We can, we'll re, we'll revisit at the end of the year, and you guys can laugh at me that I picked a guy that didn't even make it past the second week of the season. Anyway, um, or to the second. Did he make it to the second week? Anyway, um, he did. All right, he let's talk about with a bomb at the end of the game. Oh, it was, that was one of his two targets for the year. All right, let's let's uh, let's talk about Boston College. Um, my oh, how the mighty have fallen. Because um, it was like seven seconds ago that that Halfley was like gonna be the next guy somewhere. Yeah, and it's kind of hard you know? to remember that now, right? Two and years now ago it's or whatever. It was not that long ago, and all of a sudden it's like, man, this is why they say strike while the iron's hot. Um, BC is in a rough spot, bro. Like they are. Um, I mean. You know, I feel bad about sort of Virginia situation sometimes, but man, BC is in it some some tight, some dire straits. How are we feeling about this game? Because I feel like if Virginia doesn't win, and you know, I've I've talked about this, I feel like it's a it's a have to win, not even just a must win, but a have to win for a variety of different reasons. Dave, let's start with you. What are your general thoughts about Boston College and UVA's uh, matchup against them? This is going to be as about as exciting as Virginia playing at Boston College in basketball, except. Less exciting, if that's possible, because outdoor outdoor Connie form. Yeah, I mean it's. Um, I mean Boston College, I, I think talent wise, it, it's going to be the close, you know, the closest to Virginia. You know, this is kind of a slight of our team too, but <laughs> maybe the only team Virginia kind of matches up with talent wise that we've faced so far. Um, JMU would be the next closest, but I give JMU a little edge after seeing him in person. Uh, shout out to the JMU blogger if you're listening. The, um, but I mean, I think BC is dangerous. If you only watched BC against Florida State, and I'll be honest, that's the only game I watched real time. I was like, oh, this team could be, could be something. Um, but watching the highlights of them against Louisville and Holy Cross, like they're just really undisciplined and kind of struggle to 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 maintain consistency during the game, make mistakes. Um, their offense is right now. Um, a lot of predication on on broken plays and the quarterback making plays with his legs. So that said, like I see a lot in common with Virginia with it. So I mean, it's it's, a, it's going to be a test. If Virginia's going to get a win in the ACC, this might be it um, before the last game. Um, yeah, we don't know what Tech's going to be at the end of the year. So it's a winnable game, but I mean, I wouldn't bet any of my life savings on it. Let's put it that way. And and he had the opportunity to do that. Uh, Ferber, what are your general thoughts about uh, the Eagles? Man, yeah, I think Dave kind of nailed it. Like, if he, I watched some of that Florida State game too, and I was like, man, I can't believe this team is hanging tough. Because I actually watched when when UVA was playing Tennessee, I had their Northern Illinois game on like a different TV, and was kind of just like passively watching it. And every time I looked up, they were doing something bad. So I was like, man, this team's just not very good. And then you see the Holy Cross score, and you're like, man. You know, where's this season going? Um, you know, the Castellanos, the quarterback that they're playing, wasn't their initial plan for starting quarterback, but he seems to be okay. Um, you know, he can run. His numbers are kind of comparable to Calandria's, but he's played four games. Um, and he doesn't have as many turnovers. But you're right. I mean, like, the discipline blows my I mean, their penalties are out of control. <laughs> like, they have so many penalty yards. Um, and, you know, if, if they do that against UVA, that's going to be a big help. Um, and so UVA needs to make sure they don't shoot themselves in the foot, so to speak, and give that back um, to them in terms of yards. So, um, yeah, I mean, 
if this was at home, I'd feel better for sure. Um, you know, I don't think it'll be like a packed house or anything, but at the same time, it's, you know, you have to go on the road and do your thing and it's not always easy. Um, and I think it's going to be a close game. I think it'll probably be determined by which team plays a cleaner game. Um, and you know, we don't know, like if musket plays like that, that is a variable that we can't really account for right now. Um, just because like we haven't, I mean, I kind of know what they will be if Calandria plays, I think, um, you know, they'll probably get to somewhere between like 20 and 30 points and probably going to have a few big mistakes, but some awesome plays in the meantime, um, with musket, I don't know. And, and BC's defense has been pretty terrible. Um, so this might be an opportunity game for UVA in the passing game. And I think Dave's right. I don't think UVA is going to be able to run the ball in this game or really much this whole season because I just don't see it from what they have up front. But they've done a pretty good job in pass pro, so I think it's time to just air that thing out. In the preseason, Dave, you had Virginia winning this thing 19-13. to um, How are you feeling about it now? So Virginia's hit the uh... – the only game we haven't gone over in was last week and only a half point shot, some books and two point shot at most. So I'm going to up my, up my, uh, my total scoring. Cause I'm, what I'm trying to pull, I think it's a 45 point over under this week, but my betting app wants to be slow. Um, so I'm going to play the over uh, 54 is actually the, the number right now. So you got but UVA yeah, scoring like, all fifty four points. Yeah, yep, fifty four nothing. Who's um, push? No, the uh, you won't do it. You won't do it. <laughs> heck, no, I won't do it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm concerned just with the injuries on the defense for Virginia. Um, an away game, at least they get an extra day rest, I guess, to kind of get healthy. It sounds like you know, you know, if you just think about the offense, uh, the defensive line is missing. It's going to be hard for the defense to create a lot of pressure. Um, even if they can, you know, even if, uh, you know, the regular rotation was there, it's going to be tough. But now you're going to be playing with a depleted defensive line against, I think the way BC beats us is is running the quarterback and kind of scramble plays more than anything else. And that's going to be tough to do with a shortened rotation on the defensive line. We don't know what Musket's going to look like. I mean, I do like the way the offense is, you know, has looked um, other than everything short of uh, turnovers and, and points scored, which, you know, aren't that really that important for offenses. Yeah. It's, but, it's points is just, you know, it's an old, old scat. Uh, that's like an old fashioned stat. Yeah. Some people think it matters, <laughs> but like, I mean, I'm kind of in a show me state with this team. Um, so I'm, I can't pick them to win, especially on the road. You know, I, they, they haven't shown us the ability. If anything, they, you know, the, the two games that were close were both at home on the road. They've been handled pretty pretty easily, even though one was neutral. So I'm going to give Boston College the advantage, um, mainly because of the defensive injuries. Um, Virginia losing this one 27 to 21, um, which doesn't – hold on. i got to do my math again. I'm to push this up. <laughs> so, I want to go over. That's 48. Uh, yeah, that's 48. That gives some more points. So let's go 34-28. Uh, BC. I love how you're doing this like we really track it. Like we say it and we never talk about it again. But all right. You know, hats down. off to you for really trying to get I mean, I I keep track of what we said in the preseason, but all right. Ferber, in the preseason you had at twenty three twenty two UVA. Um, how you feeling now? I have no idea what to do with this. I really don't. Like on the one hand, I, I think 
you know, what Dave said about the defense is a good point. And, you know, it's on the road. And Boston College has won a game. And, you know, they've been competitive against Florida State. They were horrible last week. So I don't really know where their team is going to be yet either um, going into this one. But, and I kind of wonder where this UVA team is mentally, you know, given what's happened. I feel, honestly, I just feel bad for them. Like, you know, I, I, like they're, they've been really close in two games um, and the other two, you know, the two home games. And, like, the way that they lost both of those games, obviously, like, you know, those were a lot of those are issues of their own making right with the penalties and the collapse against JMU. But, um, you know, you just would like to see them figure out a way to get it right. And I definitely think they can, I think, you know, there's a good chance that they go up there and win. Um, but there are a lot of uncertainties. Um, the quarterback being one of them and the defense. And I think Dave's point about Castellanos getting out of the pocket and running around, which is something he's done pretty well. That kind of scares me a little bit. Um, and, you know, ultimately, it's going to be a close game. It's probably going to come down to red zone offense and turnovers and special teams and a few other things. And UVA still has a ways to go in those areas. Um, hopefully, you know, maybe they go up to BC and they show us, hey, the schedule's been really tough and we're better than 0-4 and, and, you know, they win by 14 or something. But um, for now, I'm going to I'm gonna go with BC close. I think it's like... 24 21 something like that um but ultimately like this is one of those anything is possible type games the one thing i don't want to see and you were kind of talking about brad like um what we talk about going forward if they lose this one like if i, I if they lose like 35 14 you know that's going to be a different conversation i think yeah it's going to be a lively podcast the next week if they lose 35 14 um just boy all right uh, in the preseason, I had UVA losing this thing, 27-24. Uh, at this point, I had them 2-2 two and two going in. Um, and I, it's not so much that, listen, sometimes you make picks, like Dave said, you're sort of in a show-me situation, right? So you're like, you make a pick because you, you, you can't fathom expecting or or, or whatever the, the team to sort of do what you would need them to do in order for you to believe that they could do better than what you're going to you're gonna, um pick right i'm at a point with this where it's like they yes i'm in a show me situation but like they better show me they can beat bc right i i i i will i will only uh entertain the reality of them losing this game when they've actually lost it right i think this is a winnable game i think if they don't win this game it's a very very bad sign unless you can tell me like some absolutely like aliens came down and there was just a weird whatever whatever like this is legitimately like a like I said before, it's a must-have game in my opinion. I I don't care who the quarterback is. I don't care. You got to find a way to win this thing, point blank. Um, the 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 sense of urgency should be there. You 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 know sometimes when you you talk about playing in Chestnut Hill, you're you're worried about energy and you're worried about guys bringing their own um momentum and such. And I feel like all Virginia should have to have in this game is knowing that they're zero and four, right? And I, I, I think they, they absolutely have to play hungry. Uh, if they don't, that's an indictment against the entire operation. Um, so I'm not picking this because I'm in a show me state and I feel like I can expect them to win. I'm in a show me state and it's like, listen, they better, they better figure out a way to win this game because if not, it, it's, it's rough. And, um, 
until then, I'm going to I'm going to assume that they're going to do it. So I do think that they win it. Give me UVA to win 27-17. Um, I feel like Virginia is going to be able to move the ball, score, uh, regardless of quarterback. Question is going to be to y'all's point. You know, can they can they keep contain? Um, I think Cam is, is a Cam Robinson's a, a big part of that, and I think they've got to do a good job of um, kind of getting the entire group ready because it's going to be you know a little bit different considering some of the guys and experience levels that they have uh, unavailable going into this game. But yeah, I'm of the mindset like they've got to find a way to do this. And so I'm going to pick them to do it because they've got to find a way to do this. And if they don't, that's fine. That's a show me situation. And I'll uh, kind of move along accordingly. But until then, I, I have to assume that they're going to do it. All right. Did we do it? Brad trying to it. manifest a win. No, it's, 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 I'm just being real, man. Like if they don't do that, man, this, this whole thing is in, is in some real trouble. Um, so maybe if you guys are right and that's how it plays out, boy, it's going to be, we're going to be talking basketball real quick. Um, but hopefully, you know, for those of us who enjoy the game of football, it won't be like that. Um, all right. Anything else for the good of the or before we wrap up this week? You guys good? All right. Good talk. <laughs> if you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. I can't say Stitcher. They shut down. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your shows. And if you're so inclined to give us a rating review, we appreciate it. If you're somebody who has found the pod, hasn't given a look at the website yet, check us out at CavsCorner.com. Um, lots of in, like game week stuff. Uh, I wrote a column. I haven't, gosh, when was the last time I wrote a column? We've got some hoops recruiting things coming too, so definitely give us a look at the website. Um, I want to thank all of you out there for supporting the show. And of course, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time. As always, I very much appreciate all that they do. So for David Smith and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. Let's go.